everybody. Welcome to From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. And tonight we talk to one of South Africa's up-and-coming young cricketers. He's just represented South Africa at under-19 level in the World Cup. And as you know, on this program, we like to bring you the rising stars and those uh, sportsmen and women that are not yet too famous to talk to us. Devon Murray, welcome to the program and thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. It's absolutely a privilege and honour. Um, thank you for having me. Our privilege and our honour to have a protea in our midst on the programme today. Diva, let's, uh, first of all, congratulations. Um, I know the semi-final uh, loss is not what South Africa's fans wanted, uh, but a tremendous performance by you and the team to get that far in the World Cup. Yeah, I think it was a special tournament throughout this whole little bit, but yeah, it wasn't the um, the end result that we wanted, but we took it on the chin and yeah, we go, we take it on the chin and we move on. So yeah, that's what us as sports people do. We move on and just work harder from there. Let's take uh, take us back and let's learn a little. Let's learn a little bit about you. Where were you at school? So, I've I've grown up in Alberton. I attended um, Orion Primary School, and then I moved on to high school at uh, Wurzko Marefelun. That's not the kind of school that people talk about when you become a fully fledged pro tier and you're playing in the IPL. Yeah. It's it's not uh, yeah. recognised as a big school. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, obviously, um, it's not very like a big cricketing school and. It's actually a good example to show guys you don't have to be in the biggest school to make it big one day, like to represent SA under 19 at the global stage, like at a World Cup. You just have to put in the hard work and throughout the camps, people saw me and yeah, that's where I grabbed my opportunity with both hands and showed everyone what I could do. I think a lot of credit then must go to the scouts and to the coaches who've given people like yourself from those not-so-big-name schools, the opportunities. Credit to those guys and so on for coming out and looking for potential. Um, us as cricketers, not always looking to impress people, but always looking to impress people, if it makes sense. But, yeah, credit to those guys that have done a great job. So let's talk about your younger days. I mean, you're only, what, just over 19 now. So when I say your younger days, I'm talking like when you were in primary school. Did you play a lot of cricket at primary school? Was it something that you, like most of us who played cricket, we go to bed at night and we hug our cricket back and we can't wait for the next day when the next game is on? Were you like that at school? Yeah, um, obviously a cricket lover. Obviously I started at the age of four. Um, yeah, all I wanted to do is just play cricket and that was all that was on my mind. And like you said, hugging the bed at night and going to sleep with the cricketing mindset is always lovely to have and waking up the next day, getting with your mates at the field and or learning their game also um, from a youngster. So that's really special. And that's one thing a cricketer wants is a cricketing brain since a young age. Have you taken a lot of interest in the history of South African cricket from a young age? Did you look back at the players and, and how they played and what they went through to get to where they are? Yes, uh, actually, one of my role models um, in the field is um, the name John T. Rhodes. Since I was small, um, uh, me and my dad used to watch videos about him, um, about doing his um, special stuff in the field. And 
I felt I've I've done it in the World Cup. I've done special things in the field, and I love doing fielding. And since a young age, I've been looking up to him. So yeah, I think he also played a massive role in my cricketing career this far. Yeah, a wonderful guy, John T. I was very fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with him. And if anybody is even half as good as he is in the field, they'll be absolutely delighted with that. Let's take us through uh, your school career, batting and obviously bowling. A lot of uh, cricketers at at young age like yours who show potential like to do both. Uh, Did you at any time decide that you would only want to continue on as either a batsman or a bowler? Or are you one of those guys, like I was, who just wanted to do absolutely everything all the time? Yeah. Um, so, I actually, obviously, batted a bit in high school, done my part. And then, obviously, as you grow up as a cricketer in your cricketing career, they speak about having another skill set. So, I was working on my bowling a bit. And then I've recognized that I don't need to bowl. My another skill set is fielding. So then I actually spent a lot of time with my school coaches and so on by doing fielding and drills and stuff. And so I got better at it. And yeah, that just became my second skill is fielding. So what would you say? I mean, would you call yourself an all-rounder? No, not really. A uh, batsman. Just a batsman. Okay. But you did bowl a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I did bowl a little bit for my school and so on. But obviously, you can't compare school cricket to like international cricket, World Cup cricket. So, yeah, um, we actually spoke about it. We were on a preseason tour in Bangladesh last year in June, both like two overs. But yeah, uh, I just told the coach, that's not for me. And then <laughs> since then, yeah, I haven't touched the ball yet. So we'll, we'll say you're a bowler in the net. So that's about as far as it goes. Not really, not even in the net. Um, or maybe play around and ball spin to the guys and so on. But yeah, it's just a, a little fun thing to get the guys in form and get their confidence up. Let's go back to the World Cup and let's go through the games that you played in. Which one would you say was the game that you will look back on and say, I was really happy with my performance? I would say definitely the game against Scotland. Um, actually, because Justin Salmon's our batting coach. So we needed to win that game by a big margin to go top of the pool and stay in Pottersstrom. He actually came up in the chat was, um, boys, we won't be able to get the net run rate. And I think it was that first power play where Steve Stork smashed that spinner for like 30, 35 or 34 runs in that over. And then he just looked at me and said, Devon, we can make this. And he just told me to go put my pads on. And then I went into bed with a mindset of, just playing my natural game that is attacking. And yeah, luckily, I got an 80 not out of that game and I got my team over the line. And then we finished first in the pool and we stayed in Pottersdrum. It is a remarkable achievement. I mean, let's just remind people with regards to that game. I mean, Scotland, let's be honest, you guys didn't bowl very well, did you? To allow Scotland to get 269. Yeah. And as you say, at that stage, you realized that there was a mammoth task ahead to qualify uh, in top position and stay in Pottersdrum. And then remarkably, um, for those people who don't know, uh, you guys went out and scored 273, which is what you required, in 27 overs. I mean, it just doesn't sound right, does it? But it, it actually came off. Yeah, it doesn't sound right, to be honest. And I'm still sitting here and thinking, how the hell did we do that? But 
it just shows you if you have that hunger in you to win games and to go out there and represent your country and make your people proud and make all the people for your country make them proud it's it's really it's a feeling that I can't explain but yeah it was just a special performance from the boys I remember two keys of that game the one was the partnership between yourself and Steve Stalk I mean you know, 86 or 37 deliveries. That's that's A.B. de Villiers kind of stuff. And then I think people don't really give enough credit to the partnership between yourself and David Teager that took South Africa over the line because, I mean, you completely took the game away from the Scots at a time when Scotland could perhaps have got back into the game. Do you think that's a fair reflection? Yeah, same. Um, it was a special... Um partnership between myself and TG to get our team over the line and yeah I just think you haven't gone to the best of forms you had with all the things that's going on and so on but yeah I'm just glad I could be there for him, battered with him, spend the time with him in the middle and yeah we got our team over the line with a match winning performance. When you look at it at the end of the day um, the excitement and the joy between the two of you I guess will live in your memory forever. It was you can't plan that kind of excitement. It just happens, doesn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, actually, so we when he hit that straight shot, slot sweep and we won the game, um, I actually like gave him a big hug and he just wanted to throw a punch in the air towards our change room and he punched me in the face. Um, <laughs> so that's obviously a special, special, special feeling that myself and Teagues will never forget um, since this World Cup game until... However, um, we will never forget that um, match-winning performance and memory that we've made together. It's wonderful to make those kind of memories with guys. And I guess when you're 80 years old and you're sitting around the table drinking coffee one day, you'll still be talking about it, about that day when the two of you scored all those runs. So you got through to the semifinals. And, and let's be honest, not the, the greatest day for the under-19s. You think there was a bit of nerves involved? maybe on the big occasion something that you need to get used to because you had India in a real spot of bother and then they just seemed to take the game away from you guys. Yeah, um, I think obviously a World Cup semi-final isn't just a game everyone can be part of so there was a few nerves. Um, I was nervous to be honest. Um, playing against India is just, wow, it's, it's a great opportunity. You're playing against like the best side at on the under nineteen level. So a few nerves was needed. But yeah, I felt like um we we've got enough runs on the board. Maybe we're twenty, thirty runs short. But I think when we took those first four wickets, we hang back a bit and was just expecting things to happen. Um but yeah, it just shows you they mustn't take anything for granted in the cricketing game. And yeah, just also credit to them. Um, they batted really um, nicely. Just shows you how many depth they have in their system. So yeah, credit to them. And yeah, credit to Australia that um, came on victory and won this Under-19 World Cup. Yeah, we talk about, I mean, Sachin Das and Uday Saharan were the two batsmen that got together. And when I spoke to your coach last week, uh, the one thing that I mentioned to him, and, and I'd like to hear your thoughts about it, they play, the Indians I'm talking about, play a lot of red ball cricket at their age. They, they play four-day cricket. They get involved in, the, in, in competitions. 
that are much longer than the 20 over and the 50 over game. And that's the kind of ticket that they played to get themselves out of trouble after losing those early wickets and then played as normal, if I may use the word normal cricket, to get to the end of the 50 overs. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, 100%. I also think that's one thing they can um, be proud of, um, playing all these red ball formats and playing all these pressure situations and they arrive at the World Cup and um, put a match-winning performance like they did against us. Um, just shows you, if you spend, obviously they were uh, playing red ball cricket, so they're used to batting long and play situations accordingly. And I think they've um, carried that over into the World Cup and especially the game against us, they played the situation 100% correctly and they just didn't panic. Um, they just batted long and put a partnership together and they won the game. Um, so, yeah, I think they have a lot of depth and obviously with all this red ball stuff that they've played, they've learned their mistakes and, yeah, they've they've played a massive uh, match-winning performance against us. I know you're also contracted to Eastern's cricket, but that, of course, is, is, a, is a long-term goal. With the under-19s, I understand that you're only a player and you're not an administrator, but I'm sure as players and as teammates, you all want to play the longer format of the game as well. Yeah, um, it's difficult to say at the moment. Um, I think myself and Steve Stork won't be able to touch a red ball because we're way too aggressive. But yeah, as you go on in your cricketing career, you have to adapt to those kind of roles and situations. But yeah, it would be lovely to play like this longer format. It helps you grow as a player and bring the best out of you and just to spend time in the middle. And um, yeah, just to play Red Bull cricket is a massive honor and privilege, but also just to be patient is another key word in Red Bull format, obviously, and to spend as much time as you can in the middle. How difficult is it to stay patient at your age? I mean... You're young, you, you want to smash the ball all over the park. I mean, is there a little somebody sitting on your shoulder? I mean, is your dad going, hey, you shouldn't have played that shot and you got out too early and your enthusiasm gets the better of you? How do you control that? Yeah, um, yeah, my dad is a bit strict on that one. But to be honest, I always tell him it's not him that's batting, it's me that's batting. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so normally... If I hit a six or I smash it around the park, I'll look at my father in the stands and he'll show me I must relax. <laughs> then I just look at him and I'll just show him he must just relax. So, yeah, I just think um, patience is a big word for us at um, under-19 level. You obviously want to go out, smash the ball, like you said, around the park and just be yourself. And that's who I am. I'm aggressive batsman and so on. But I also think at times to play low-risk cricket um, will help me like grow as a cricketer and um, help me score more runs and spend more time in the middle. So tell us a little bit about life after under-19 cricket. What, what's the plan and, and what's happening going forward? For you? Like you say, I'm playing for Easton's at the moment. I'll play with them for another year. And then I'm also studying at uh, University of Pretoria. I'm going to um, study sports management, sports science management. So somebody at least has said to you that cricket can disappear in a day. I mean, I know at that age, I also only wanted to play and never ever thought of tomorrow. It was just, I want to play today and I don't care about what happens when I'm 25 and 30 and 40 and whatever. But it's, it's good to hear that you, you are going to be studying something that's at least involved with, with the game. 
Because I guess you know, when you look at all the players that have played under-19 cricket at the highest level, World Cup level, there's not that many that actually go on to be A.B. de Villiers and Hashimamlas and Shah Callas of the world, because obviously the system swallows people up when they get to a level that's a bit higher than under-19. Yeah, I feel very important lately to get like a degree behind your name. Um, like if cricket doesn't work out or like injury happens very quickly lately so that you can bounce back on that cricket doesn't work out and you can make a, a life out of your degree that you study. So, yeah. so I know I know at my age and not this age that I am now, at my age when I was your age, the only thing I ever thought about was playing the game. But tell us a bit more about what do you do? What are your hobbies? What are you watching on Netflix or do you play PlayStation? Do you get away from the game at all? Yeah, so um, basically taking my mind away from cricket, I like spending time with my friends, um, going out to them and so on. And also like playing golf. Golf is like a big thing for me, spending time with the boys on the course. And also to go watch a bit of rugby games, see other guys' aggression coming out. But yeah, also like spending time with my mom and dad and my sister at home having a nice braai always calms me down and just let me notice again how much they mean to me and just I'm so grateful for them always backing me and getting me to where I am today um, so thank you credits to my mom dad and sister for always being there for me um, no matter what your family is obviously extremely important in anybody's career it doesn't matter how good you are I mean they're going to be times when you're going to be away from home for weeks and weeks on end people get homesick I mean it but people see the game and they go, ah, you're playing in front of 50,000 spectators in Ahmedabad or Eden Gardens and you're playing in the IPL. But they forget that you're living in a hotel room and you're living out of a suitcase. I mean, have you, you obviously experienced a little bit of that touring with the under-19s. Have you enjoyed that part of the game or have you found it difficult? It was nice to spend time like at hotels and going from place to place. The one thing that stood out for me was spending time with the boys and Knowing them as a person, obviously we gathered together, didn't know anything about each other, but throughout this World Cup, I can say proudly that we've built a relationship with each other and we know what's going on in each other's backgrounds. So yeah, that was special for me, spending time with the boys and knowing their personal hobbies and their personal life situation. So yeah, no, it was a, it was a special um, experience with the boys and knowing them as a person. Now, you talk about knowing them as a person. I mean, when you look at the composition of the side, I mean, South Africa is known as the Rainbow Nation. The, the side also involved a whole lot of people from very different backgrounds. How much did you learn about each other in terms of their experiences growing up compared to your experiences growing up? And I already mentioned the fact that you don't come from a, a so-called established, I don't want to be ugly uh, in, in terms of, making it an advantage or disadvantage schooling. But you don't come from the, the great college, those kind of schools that develop and produce so many Springboks and, and Proteas. How difficult was it and how did you enjoy the experience of getting to know all of those guys? It was a massive and special equation, um, spending time with them and knowing how they actually grew up. And there was a few guys in my team that I realized that They've grown up in the hard way and like I take my hat off for them and 
all credits to them for growing up in those difficult situations and standing alone as a man, showing all the people that they gonna work hard and make it, make a cricketing career out of how they've um grown up and out of their background. So it was special to see how guys grown up and where they are today is really something special. And like I said, I take my hat off to a, to guys like that, and it's like very special to know their story and where they started and where they are now at the moment. So let's talk a little bit, if we may, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot now. Out of the, the squad of players that you've played with, who do you think five years' time we're going to be talking about like we are right now, about like top pro-tier players? Who do you see in the team as the genuine stars of the future, like an ABM, Mark Boucher, an Antini, a Rabada, Aidan Markham, guys who have played under 19 cricket and have actually succeeded going forward. Yeah, so I'll go with three nominees. It will go, obviously, Quenama Parker, Steve Stock, and Luandre Pretorius. I really think they have the work ethic to make it all the way. And not just that, they, they're very good human beings and that's what brought them to where they are today. So, yeah, I know they work hard and they give their everything every day to be who they are. Those three names can go all the way. Let's talk about Quenna, if we may. What What's he like? Oh, he's a special person. Always a um, little bit of banter. He always brings a bit of banter to the side. But, yeah, when we get to the field or when we speak about cricket, it's always he's 100% um, committed and concentrating the whole time. So, yeah, no, he's a special person and I know that he will be a superstar one day. You face him in the nets. Um, is he as quick as he looks like on television? <laughs> I'll say the bouncer is uh, unexpected in the nets. Um, obviously, he's not trying to kill his batsman in the nets. But, um, yeah, it's a good like a competition. It's a good competition in the nets facing Quena. Um, obviously, you won't face much better seamers at World Cup level as you face him. So pulling him in front of square in the nets or ducking a bouncer um, gives, um, it motivates you to do better and um, just to be yourself and, yeah, just special person. Let's talk about the other two that you mentioned. Luandre uh, Pretorius, uh, wicketkeeper batsman, also somebody still under 18, if you like, got another year or so, I guess, to play for the under-19s. And you mentioned what Steve Stork was the other one you mentioned, is that right? Yeah. So tell oh, us about um, those two. Oh, is actually my roommate. So we've literally spent every minute together on tour. It's also very interesting character. Likes irritating me when we, when I'm trying to sleep <laughs> and so on. But yeah, we won't speak about what happens in the hotel rooms. But yeah, I also think he's a special person. Um, his worth ethic is is unbelievable. Um, always want to hit balls. Always want to improve himself. So, yeah, I also think Luandre can make it very far in his cricketing career. And one thing that I must say about him, he's an incredible human being, um, special person. And Steve Stork, also very interesting guy, likes hitting the gym. Like you guys can see, he's a big oak and his aggression on the field is something special and that I look up to. But, yeah, he's also a very special person and I know he just wants to play T20 cricket and hit the ball out of the stadium and as far as possible. Of the squad of players, stand to be correct, but I think either you were the oldest or second oldest in the side. Did you feel 
a sense of responsibility on your shoulders being, in fact, almost two years older than other players. And I, I know two years doesn't sound like much, but when you're 17 and when you're 19, it does make a big difference. Yeah, no, for sure it does make a difference. Um, yeah, I felt like I had to take responsibility in each game, especially setting the the standard for the youngsters coming up and for them looking up to us as seniors played a massive role. And I think us as seniors have done an incredibly good job for making the semifinals. Yeah, credit to all the seniors, but also credit to the youngsters that were um, willing to learn and willing to put the hard work in to get us in the semifinal. So let's just go back to off-the-field activities. What's your handicap at golf? You say you love the game. What's your handicap? Um, you guys are going to laugh at me, but I'm, I don't play with the handicap. I just play for fun. Um, I feel if you play with the handicap, there's way too much pressure on you. And yeah, I'm just playing for fun. I mean, you do realize that when you step up to the next level, there's going to be a lot of golf being played by uh, guys around you. I mean, I know all of the proteas that, well, not all of them, but most of the proteas that I've uh, commentated on and been involved in, they all hit a golf ball exceptionally well and love being on the golf course where they're not on the cricket field. What other hobbies besides golf? And I guess you enjoy going to the gym and keeping fit. Are you watching anything on Netflix at the moment? I'm actually visiting and I'm catching up time with my other friend, Connor Maestri. Um, we're watching that other series about the Australian. The, they, they call it the test. So yeah, me and my friend are busy watching that series. And yeah, it's just... Other Australians went about their business when they go through tough times, but they are a fighting team and good human beings, and good things will happen to good human beings. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're watching that series. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, it, it, it's just brilliantly filmed, and it's you get into the background of the change room, and you learn so much about people. When you watch on a cricket field just for the first time, you think, oh, what a dumbo that bloke is. But then when you actually get behind the scenes, you realize that there's a very different person on the field as to what there is off the field. But I guess, like myself as a, as a commentator and broadcaster, I'm getting sick and tired of these Australians winning all these cricket tournaments. Enough now. Come on. You've got to come out and help us to do this and get these Australians out of all of these winning situations. Yeah, um, winning the Men's World Cup and the 19 World Cup and I just think we need to work hard and, yeah, justice will do them and we will, um, if there's another opportunity where we ever play against Australia again, I know South Africa will make their people proud and get the victory. On that note, Stefan and Maria, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you for a young 19-year-old. It's been wonderful. Lovely to hear all about you. We wish you all the best in your future and I'm sure we'll be keeping up with you as your career progresses. Thank you for joining us tonight on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. That's tonight's show. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It's lovely to learn about the new stars in South African sport. And Yvonne Marie is definitely one of those. Until next time, be nice to each other. And bye for now.